Okay. Okay. I want to welcome everyone listening to us on the, the podcast. Thanks for downloading us. And uh, if you're listening on the King's Church website, God bless you. Turn the speakers up. Let everyone hear. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, talk today on the topic of the work of the evangelist. And these are some thoughts that actually help me a lot. Sometimes as a preacher, you preach things that um, maybe you don't have a problem with, but you know other people do. So you try and help people with their issues. Maybe you don't have such a problem. Today I want to to talk about some things that I need to encourage myself in and things that have encouraged me. Uh, One of my... uh, uh, favorite books of the Bible is Second Corinthians, and it didn't used to be until I met someone who said it was their favorite book. I thought, well, it can't be. How can it be? There's nothing in it. But in fact, he said, I love it, he said, because he was writing a book on Second Corinthians, so I guess maybe it was a good idea for him to like it a bit. And he, he said that it is a wonderful book because it's kind of autobiographical. You, you get to learn so much about how Paul was feeling and thinking. It's kind of his diary. And sometimes he's happy, sometimes he's depressed. Sometimes he's having a good time, sometimes he's not having such a good time. <clears throat> Life's going well, sometimes it isn't. And so if your life is a bit like that, you'll like Second Corinthians too. But particularly... Well, particularly a few, few weeks ago when I was traveling around South America on a, on a bus and uh, kind of struggling in health and struggling with fatigue and uh, this kind of thing. It's a great encouragement to someone who wants to be an evangelist or someone working in the area of evangelism. Now, what I don't want you to do is now switch off that and say, well, now I, I'm not involved in evangelism. Well, the Bible says we should all do the work of an evangelist. Can you say amen? So we all have to do it. And so here are some thoughts about the, the work of an evangelist. And this stuff I'm preaching today is, is the kind of stuff that maybe I would normally say if I was talking to a group of leaders. I've shared these thoughts in a leadership forum one time. And uh, just written an article on this for a magazine as well. But I thought you might be blessed by it too when we think about the work of evangelism. So 2 Corinthians 4, and really I could read the whole chapter, but I'm just not going to. Let's just read a few verses of it, maybe the first 10 verses. Paul says this, Therefore, since through God's mercy... We have this ministry, he's talking about the ministry of sharing his faith. He says, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. Nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, 
We commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, uh, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Okay, it's kind of complicated stuff, isn't it? I think the thing that got me really switched on to this book was when this author that I met one time, he said to me, when Paul says in verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay. He said, the apostle there is talking about himself. You know, don't you, that in the ancient world, uh, if you wanted to uh, conceal something important, then you didn't put it in a box marked, you know, do not enter or, or do not open or, or very important thing inside. You hid it in something that didn't look like it would contain something valuable. It's the modern equivalent, of course, of hiding the dairy milk in a drawer that you know the kids won't go to. Uh, you know, uh, uh, if, you, if you are a wife and you want to hide an important document from your husband, you just put it in a box labeled instructions or something like that, because men don't read them. Uh, if you want to hide... A bar or like a Ferrero Rocher box, you know, where no one will get you put it in the bit that's normally full of vegetables and cream crackers. No one looks there. And it's the equivalent. Paul says, We have this amazing treasure. He's talking about the gospel, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, But God has hidden it inside people like you and me. That's what he's saying. He's concealed it. So, uh, in fact, when you walk into work tomorrow, you're not supposed to look like you've got all the answers. In fact, it's, it's a disguise. He's put his treasure in broken old pots like us. And he goes on to say, to show, to show, verse 7, that this power is from God and not from us. I, I mean, I, I can say this to you, don't tell anyone, but I, I, what's amazing to me is that when uh, I hold like a healing meeting somewhere in England, say, uh, and I'll arrive, and I'm just, when they look at me, it's just not what they're expecting. 
It's not what they're expecting. It's not what they're expecting at all. So I'll arrive and people think, oh, Peter Cavanagh's driver is here. Would he like a drink? And they're looking, you know, for something a bit more impressive to, to come through the door. Well, no, it's just me. I tell you, it happens all over the place. It happens all over the place. In Brazil, it's different because they have a big picture of me before I go. And uh, uh, anyway, less said about that, the better. But um, Jane hates that picture. It's a very, it's a, a very close picture. It looks like I got, it cuts my head off there. So it looks like I got no hair. So uh, yeah, I come in and they're looking at, oh, and they, you see them all whispering in the crowd. He's wearing a wig. So what Paul is saying is, you know, he's hidden the kingdom inside the unlikely suspects, people like you and me. He's put the glory of God in a biscuit. He's hidden the money, you know, he's hidden all the money, not under the bed. He's not put it in the safe where a burglar might look for it. He's he's taken his gold and he's put it in the biscuit barrel where nobody looks, you know. It's that kind of thing. He's concealed it. And this guy said to me, he said, he's talking about himself. That's Paul's life. He said, he's the cracked pot. He's not talking about others. He's talking about himself. He doesn't look like anything. We know Paul uh, from history. We read, if it can be authenticated, he was a short little man with no hair. So if you are a short man with no hair, uh, you are, you know, you, you look a bit like Paul. And uh, he had a funny nose, we, we, we read as well. So, you know, he didn't look very impressive. He knew that. He, he wasn't going to get on... He wasn't going to get on a Christian TV channel. He wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't have enough makeup or, or flashing lights. He didn't. Anyway, but he talks about his, his work. Uh, let me very quickly talk about just three very simple things we learned from this chapter, or just these verses really, about the work of the evangelist. Okay, number one. It could be a very discouraging ministry. He starts the whole thing by saying this. We do not lose heart. You look at verse 1. We do not lose heart. And then he tells all about the problems he's had. You know, pressed down, shaken together, but not with money. But, you know, but by persecution. And he feels perplexed. And he feels persecuted, not abandoned. You know all that stuff there in verse 8. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, look, we didn't read it, but there it is. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. And that is essentially Paul's advice to all evangelists everywhere. Don't lose heart. If you're going to be a sharer of your faith, Let me tell you what you're going to lose. You're going to lose some friends. Uh, You're going to lose some street cred. You're right. Especially when you start going, oh yes, well, I believe in talking snakes. I do. You're going to lose a bit of street cred. You are going to lose some time. And you might even lose some teeth. When I was in Rio and I heard that machine gun outside, I think I lost about two years of my life in an instant. 
My hair went a little whiter, silverer than it is. I tell you, you're going to lose some things. But one thing you mustn't do is you must not lose heart. When I talk to leaders, there's a lovely piece in another one of the Pauline epistles where he says this, in all things, keep your head. And he's speaking to pastors in that. So I say, keep your head. You're not going to keep all the people. You're not going to keep all the deacons. No, you're not going to keep a lot of things, but you've got to keep your head. Well, here, don't lose heart. Evangelist, don't lose heart. Because, because it can be deeply discouraging to be an evangelist. Deeply discouraging. Why? Because the product that we have, the people don't want it. Generally speaking, the people don't want it. Uh, a little while ago, we had opportunity, and it was just too much money, but we had opportunity to put a big placard over at Cambridge United Ground. Ooh, you say. Yeah. No, there's not big football fans here. Anyway, so we had an opportunity to put a big King's Church Cambridge plaque you know, a big board thing over at the football ground. Now, in the end, it was a bit of a con, and it was, we were told it would be this much, and it was so much more, and blah, blah, blah. But I remember having a chat with someone, and they said, why would you put, why would you put a church placard at the football ground? Because the people who go to the football, they don't want to go to church. Well, that's an interesting one. And I said, but we are not, you know, the whole purpose of it is actually we are selling a product that people don't think they need. Can you say amen? They need it, but they don't think they do need it. Now that's very different when someone calls you up and tells you they've got a fabulous new deal on a, on a mobile phone and you should switch to them. Oh yes, like a, a, a guy knocks on the door. Are you spending too much on your heating and electricity? You know, all that kind of thing. I found the only way to get, to get shot of these people, and forgive me if you are a salesperson, but the only way to get shot of them is I always say to them, I want to spend more money. I want to be ripped off. I want to be. I don't want cheap energy. I want to pay more for it than it should cost. Goodbye. I can offer you a thousand texts a month. I only want 50. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) And in this world, you see people try and sell you things. The gospel of Jesus Christ is generally not wanted. The true gospel, and I'll come on to this in a minute. The true gospel is not wanted. The true gospel is... That men and women need to turn away from all their naughty little ways. And people like their naughty little ways. They like it. So they don't want to turn away from them. And so in fact the evangelist job is actually, and this all kind of fits in together, all these three, three points are kind of one. The evangelist job is to share the gospel of Jesus. It is not really to win souls. 
Because only the Spirit of God can do that. Right? Our job is not so much to be successful. Our job is to be the witness of His glory. All we can be is a witness. Now, there are two kinds of evangelists, and I'm in debt to our friend Steve Parsons for this illustration. Two kinds of evangelists. I bring them into a court of law. In a court of law, you have a number of people who speak. Some of the people in the court of law are the professionals. They are the lawyers, the judge. They are the professionals. They build a case. They're normally quite smart with their brain, you know. They know how to string a few words together. A prosecuting counselor or a defense barrister. They are articulate. They are trained. They are the professionals. And there's another type of person who speaks in court. And that person is a witness. They haven't been to law school. They aren't qualified. They don't know all of the ins and outs of the law. But they are just there to say what they know. And whether you are an evangelist with a capital E, i.e. you are a bit more like a lawyer, you have steeped yourself in the word of God, you have studied methods of evangelism. And by the way, we need loads more people like that. Or whether you aren't in that category just yet, you can say, well, I don't know everything, but what I do know is Jesus changed my life. This is what I saw with my eyes. I can't persuade you of a thing. I'm not here necessarily to change your mind, but I'm here to tell you what God has done in my life. The witness, Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me in all the earth. All the earth. Whereas others are lawyers. They know how to catch a fish. They know, uh, uh, they know how to preach. They're articulate, gifted. And often more gifted than they think they are. But whether you are one or the other, here we are. Here we are, sharing our faith in the city, in our homes, with our families, in our workplaces. But it can be very discouraging. You know why? Because God gives to men and women total free will. Total free will. They decide, am I going to repent or not? That's what they decide. So you can't make people repent. You can't make people believe. I remember being interviewed in this very room by a journalist from a Cambridge University newspaper many years ago when we had a spate of uh, press stories, you know, that happened in here. People healed and on the cover of the paper and all this, and, and Phil did, and I don't mind. And uh, so I was, I said to he said, do you mind? I was on the cover. I don't mind. I said, yes. Satanists know who to assassinate. Uh, so we were, we, were, we were talking here. And I said to this journalist, I said, I'm not here to try to convince you that God exists. I, I'm not interested in that. I'm just here to tell you what's happening. I'm not here to try and prove it. I'm not here to try to, to let it bear up under the most intense scrutiny. I'm just telling you what's happening here. I'm not trying to persuade you. But I am sharing with you that this is the truth. Only God, you see, can save people. 
Only God can save people. A young man called Roman Hewings shared his faith with me in 1988, 1989, but particularly 1988. He shared his faith with me. He told me what Jesus had done for him. But I chose to become a follower of Jesus. And thank God for that. But it was an act of my will. And that's why, you see, it's such a difficult ministry. Because we are working to bring a product to people and they need the product, but they don't believe they do. They don't believe they do. So if you're an evangelist, and you see, what happens is, so often, so often, is people get on fire for God and they decide, right, I'm going to share my faith now. And they walk in and share their faith. They're as bold as a lion. And they're expecting everyone to fall under the power in the post office. (laughs) And it doesn't happen. And the first person they... I remember... Do you remember when you first got born again? I went and shared with everyone I, I knew. And I expected all of them to be in church by the end of the week. I expected half of them to be in the ministry by the end of the year. And what do they say to me? Oh, well, we're not interested. Goodbye. Thank you. And what happens is we get hurt, don't we? Right? Do we get hurt? Do we get worried about what we appear to be like? Lose credibility? Lose a few friends? And we decide, ah, well, everyone else is an evangelist, but God has desired me to shut up. But it's not true. We're here to preach the gospel. God is the one who brings the results. I'll come on to that in a minute. So it can be a bit discouraging. It can be a bit discouraging. But don't lose heart. Number two, we mustn't change the message. When that guy comes to the door and he says, do you know what? I've got a brilliant deal from this phone company. And he says, if you will sign up today. Ooh. I've just had a word with my boss. You know, he's out there. He's claiming to talk to the boss. He's on, he's on the toilet and he comes back. I've just spoken to the boss. And he says that he can do a deal today. He can do a deal today. Or if you'll sign up with Sky TV, just today, you can have 15 pounds off and an alarm clock thrown in. We'll give you this pen if you'll sign up today. You know the kind of thing. And I, by the way, I never take any notice of that at all. No, no, because if it's a deal today, he says, I'm sorry, we won't be able to give you this deal tomorrow. <laughs> the AA did. <laughs> Hello, you gave me a deal yesterday. Would you like to give it to me today? Because oh, if you're not, I'm off. Oh, you'd be amazed at what happens. I've just spoken to the boss. Can I just tell you what we are not? We are, as evangelists, we are not salespeople. Throwing in a deal. Paul says this, we do not use deception. We do not use secret and shameful ways. You look at it in verse 2. And he says, and we do not distort the word of God. Now, some of you would say, well... I would never use deception. I would never distort the word of God. Well, maybe, but maybe not. 
You see, there can come a thing that says this. You know what? If you will come to Jesus today, he'll heal you of that cancer. What are you doing? You're throwing in a a pen. If you will come to Jesus today, though you can't have children, you shall be able to have them. What are you doing? You're throwing in an alarm clock. And you're claiming that you've spoken to the manager and you haven't. If you will come to... I've heard that your son is ill in hospital. If you will give your life to Jesus right now, your son will be cured. Because you think to yourself, the gospel's not enough. I must throw something in that brings about some self-interest in them. Oh, I need, I need a new arm. I need to be healed. I'll get saved then. I'll get saved then. But you're making promises that the manager has not given you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Put your hand up if you understand what I mean. You're throwing in things that God has not given you to throw in. That lady needs to come to Jesus, especially if she has cancer. Because God may not cure her and she may die. And what she needs above everything else is to have her sins forgiven. Can you say amen? That's what she needs. And people have made all kinds... in the magazine I write for, I have to restrain myself because I would say the same thing every month if, if I could. I just find the gospel in the Western world has been so distorted and turned into a game show where if you come to Jesus, we'll throw in money and we'll throw in a house. You know, if you give $5, you're going to have a house next year. Maybe you're not. And if the preacher really believes that, let him give you his house. I'm not promising you that. You ain't having my house. You understand what I'm saying? Now, God does wonderful miracles. God is a supplier. God can indeed put a million quid through your door. He can. God, he does heal cancer. He does raise up the sick. He does deliver people of depression. He does. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is God is coming soon to judge the living and the dead. That's the gospel. We've all broken his commandments. We must all be forgiven. And if you have to throw in an alarm clock... That person's not saved. Because there's only one reason to run to Jesus. And that's because he can save you from your sins. If you run to him for anything else, I'm talking about initially. Because now we are following him, of course he wants to bless us. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not that. We must not change the message. We must not change the message in order to gain more converts. 
Now you can understand, you see, this all, this scripture all falls in together. Paul begins by saying he hasn't lost heart, which means he was tempted to do so. And when you're tempted, when you're not seeing lots of people get saved, it's very easy then to say, now let me try and sell something that people do want to buy. Do you understand? But you've got to preach the original gospel. You've got to preach the original old-fashioned message. That God has sent his son to die for you because you have made a mess of your life and he wants to forgive you of your sins. He's not promising you money. He's not promising you 100% health. He's not promising you that if you get saved, you'll have a brand spanking new husband tomorrow. Particularly if you've already got one. Can you just imagine, now forgive me, being naughty, but it's just how I've been lately. Can you just imagine Jesus Christ turning to the thief on the cross who says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, the father loves you and has a great plan for your life. Well, he didn't, did he? Because two hours later, the guy was dead. (laughs) Jesus didn't turn to him and say, do you know what? If you just become a Christian, you'll get off the cross. In some of our modern gospel, that's exactly what would have happened. He says, oh Lord, save me. And Jesus says, I forgive you. And then, Uh, uh, a, a squad from the United Nations shows up and says take that man down and he goes off marries a beautiful girl and lives in a millionaire's mansion that's the that's the gospel some people preach two hours later he was dead he was dead because what was important was not life on earth but life in heaven you see and what what has happened is I don't know whether I should say this. What has happened is, shall I say it? What's happened is, we've moved from the gospel that was just all about getting people forgiven. And then we read the Bible. We saw, oh, they can be full of of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's healing. Oh, there's, there's blessing. God wants to bless people. And then we kind of made forgiveness the kind of the, the second drawdown. That's kind of a bonus. But it's not a bonus. It's the one thing God's offering. The other things are a bonus. The other things are a bonus. But what you need is to be forgiven. That's what you need above everything else. So we're not here to distort the word of God. We're not here to use secret and shameful ways. Verse 2, you see. We're not here to do that. We're here to preach the real gospel... As it is. See, you can go into work and say, God has blessed me and I've got this, this and this. But can I just encourage you, please tell people, if you're going to share your faith, 
if you're going to be a witness, please tell them that you understood that you were sinful and God has forgiven you. Everything else is a bonus. But that's the gospel. We mustn't change the gospel. If you change the gospel, you don't have the gospel anymore. You've changed it into something else. That's why it doesn't have any power. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. But another gospel isn't. It isn't. What's the third one? The results are God's alone. Well, we kind of already touched on that, but he goes on to say, the gospel, verse 3, we've looked at verse 1, we've looked at verse 2, now verse 3, our gospel is veiled, he says, veiled. And it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. Can you say that with me? So that they cannot see. They can't see. They can't see. You imagine Paul sometimes saying, Lord, what kind of deal is this? You want me to go and share the good news with people and they cannot see? They can't see. You can't talk them into seeing. You can't track them into seeing. You can't DVD them into seeing. You can't persuade them to see. Can you imagine sitting down with a blind man? Now let me just talk you out of this. You can't do it. Only God can open eyes. Only God. That's it. Just God. No one else. And so the results are entirely, entirely with God. I want to be fruitful, but you're not fruitful unless you're faithful. And God, in the, in the era of evangelism, and in fact in all ministries really, he's called upon us to be faithful. Now there are things we can change, there are things we can do, there are ways we can upskill ourselves. We can become better evangelists, we, we really can. We can get the message right, we can get the passion right, we can get the motivation right. That it's all about love. It's all about reaching people. We can get a lot of things right. So we can kind of improve ourselves. And while the message does not change, the methods may. And so we want to have uh, 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 good uh, resources for people. It needs to be excellent. It needs to be excellent. There needs to be excellence in our gospel. And that's a human thing. We have to do that. We have to learn how to relate with people and be nice to people and befriend people and touch people's lives. That's something for us to do. God does not do that. But the actual results, the bit where the eyes open and someone says, I need Jesus, 
I want to tell you, only God did that. You did not do that. And he did it with the person's cooperation too, as they said, yes, I need this. I need this. Let's finish by going to Mark chapter 4, quickly. Mark 4. Mark chapter 4, I want to finish by just reading you the parable of the sower. When it comes to the Lord kind of explaining what it's all about. He says in verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Did the farmer do his job? Yes or no? Yes. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Did the farmer sow the seed? Yes. It's interesting here, That these people receive it with joy. I want you to see this. It's not to discourage us, but let's just be sure we have all the facts. He says, these people receive the word with joy. But they have no root and they last only a short time. Because when trouble comes, they fall away. Let me put this in modern language. These people are the first at the front. They're the first at the front. They receive it with joy. Out of my way, I need to be a Christian. They're shoving people left and right. Let me get to the front. They receive it with joy. They're the first at the front. And that's why it's very difficult to know what God is doing. Because in a church, in a Christian setting, you can have someone who seems to be converted while another sits in the church for weeks and you think, when is that man or that woman going to get saved? But slowly, 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 the word is going into them. You see, It says that, that they first receive with joy, but they have no root. Maybe they, maybe they were swept by the emotion. Maybe it was the music. Maybe it was a desire to belong. And these are not wrong things in themselves. Emotion is wonderful and belonging is wonderful. But since they have no root. We spoke to somebody a little while ago. And she said to us, since I became a Christian, everything in my life has gone wrong. So I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Now we looked at her like, well, your life wasn't all that great before actually. It wasn't in this particular case. 
seemed a bit of a strange thing to say. But when she said, since I became a Christian, everything's gone wrong, so I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Do you know what that did? That betrayed the reason she had become a Christian. I want to enhance the quality of my life. And it hasn't worked. The car still fails the MOT, even when you speak in tongues. Can you say amen? You can sing Kumbaya in your upper room all you like. The rent will still go up. Amen. Yeah. You wave your flag all you like. Wave your flag all you like. The government still want your tax. Rejoice with all of your heart. You still might get a problem with your breathing. You still might get a bad ear. You still might get an illness that scares you and your family. But the inside, you see, has been redeemed. Paul said, we are bashed around like who knows what. And now I've been so beaten up and so smashed around, you know, and persecuted. And you read the later chapters, I think it's chapter 11. He says that he spent a night and a day in the deep, hanging onto planks of wood, Talking about Paul now. He says that he was received from the Jews. I think he says three times 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes. Not once. Jesus had it once. Paul had it three times. At what point did he say, I think I'll give up being a Christian because God's not doing everything for me. But that's not what it's about. He is a good God. But he does test us. Who was it who made that famous, very famous phrase? The truth of it, so rich and powerful. Let me try and remember it. He said something like this. God can be trusted and we have to be tested. But the modern Christian thinks that They can be trusted and God has to be tested. If you love me, you will do this. Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. It's God who can be trusted. It's we who must be tested. She said, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Things have got worse. As it happened, they hadn't. They really hadn't. He goes on to say here that some last only a short time. Still others, verse 18, they are seed among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke the word. This is not an old story. This is going on every day in this country to every person. Nothing old-fashioned about this. This is going on all the time. And then, wonderfully, verse 20, others are like seed sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. 
So if you're an evangelist, whether you're a professional, and probably no one would say that about themselves, but some of you are. Or whether you feel that you're a witness, whatever role it is, let me encourage you with this. Yeah, it, it can be a bit discouraging, but that's not a sign from God for you to stop. It's not God saying, well, I think you should try something else. Instead of sharing your faith with people, why don't you try something else? No, no, keep on, don't lose heart, serve the Lord. We cannot win the lost, but we can seek the lost. And the lost deserve a church that is skillfully and passionately seeking them. Number two, don't change the message. Don't throw in a clock. Don't throw in a pen. Don't say, I just feel if you get saved today, you're going to sprout wings. (laughs) You think that's ridiculous? What are the other things we tell them? If you get saved, you will get that job. How do you know? If you get saved today, you'll be healed of of that liver problem. How do you know? No, we're not throwing in an alarm clock. If God wants to heal their liver, he will. Bring them to a church that believe in that and let's see what happens. But don't throw in an alarm clock. Don't throw in a pen. They must buy the product God is offering. And number three, remember the results are all with God. Only he can open eyes. We can't do it. It's not our job to open eyes. It's our job to sow the word. To sow the word. Some will look like they're responding and they're not. Just let's get real people. It's in the Bible. And we see it with our own eyes all the time. Do we not? They look like they're responding, but they're not. Their root is not significant. They came for the clock. They came for the free pen. But they didn't want the contract. So, keep on. Stay with the message as is. And remember that only God can save people. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Alan, can you come and play anything you like?